But then I discovered the most important thing is not to perform, but to use what you have and direct it towards Jesus. For example, mm. the platforms that we have, that's the question I would ask. What platform do you have? Maybe you have a business, mm. maybe you have social media, maybe you're a musician, maybe you're good at conversation, whatever it is. Now, I'm an introvert. The least thing I could do is what the woman at the well did, run down into the village and shout it out to the village. That would take everything out of me and I wouldn't be good at it. But I noticed I was good at playing music and talking in little conversations. So I'd play music and tell a story. I was good mm. at social media, communicating, creating artistic videos. I was good at sitting down and talking. And then I b built my art of preaching. Now that's me. But each one of us are different. Is what are your gifts? What is your platform? And how can you direct it towards God? Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. In the Gospel of John, it reads, My sheep know my voice. Do you know the voice of Jesus? My name is Ron Huntley. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. Today, I'll be your host, having a great conversation with Father Rob Galea, originally from Malta, now living in Australia. Father Rob has an amazing story of transformation and conversion that's translated into a ministry that reaches millions of young people a year in person. You're going to enjoy this episode because really at the heart of it is in your ministry, whether you're a clergy or a lay person, is hearing the voice of God and having the courage to obey. You see, if we're going to be effective as missionary disciples, building the kingdom of God, we're going to require skills, and maybe some of them are very new to us. We're going to require vision and hope, but as I mentioned earlier, above all, courage. I think you're going to be encouraged by this conversation today with Father Rob. He gives a word picture for the church that I've never heard before. It is so cool. You're going to hear his story, which really is the inspiration and the motivation for his continued fruitfulness. And if you and I are going to be fruitful, it's going to come from our encounter with Christ and our ongoing ability to hear his voice and dare to obey. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure you subscribe and follow and share. All that stuff means a lot to us. Thank you for being a part of this family on a journey of making parishes unbelievable. Father Rob, it's so great to be together again uh, online, virtually at 6 a.m. We had a nice my afternoon tea and you have your morning coffee in Australia. Uh, so it's great to, to join you and be with you here today. So thank you so much. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's, a, it's just a pleasure to be here um, and lovely to wake up first thing in the morning and have this conversation with you. <laughs> This is our take two. We tried to do it the other day. We had this terrible storm in Nova Scotia and blew out all our power and our internet. So <laughs> yes. it's, it's, uh, it's a blustery time of year for us here in Canada. No snow yet, but, uh, but we're hoping for some soon. <laughs> yes, and I'm here in a t-shirt and a short sleeve shirt in the middle of summer. So I'm trying to keep cool. <laughs> the world is a strange place. <laughs> It's a strange place. That is absolutely <laughs> true. I first uh, ran into you and got to know you in Chicago when we were doing some work. And both of us were doing some work with Father Peter and Marco. And uh, and it was just beautiful to get exposed to your music. And, and But I'd say just as importantly or more importantly, your ministry. You have a real heart um, that people would to come to know Christ. And I always think to myself, when I meet somebody like that who has that burning passion that usually comes from somewhere special like it's hard to have that hard to give that away when you haven't received it that's right and, and so maybe for our listeners who haven't met you and been exposed to you can you share a little bit of your story in terms of yeah where that passion came from and how god touched you 
Yeah, so when we met, we met in Chicago, I was speaking at the Theology on Tap or one, in, in a pub. And I, I, what I remember from that event was there were queues of people all the way down the street. And it was just, and I had just come out like that day or the day before from a 30-day silent retreat. So I was like, my all of my senses were just overwhelmed. And I had to be on stage straight after which is something you're not even meant to do after a 30-day retreat but i thought this was an opportunity god opened this door i'm going i have my heart is overflowing with the love of jesus i have to share it but yes. th this has been, always been the story of my conversion um at 16 i um had a, an encounter with jesus now i was brought up in a catholic home and that was fantastic that was awesome mm. um but at the age of of about 13 years old i rebelled ran away from home after a massive argument with my parents and ended up, long story short, living on the streets. I actually wrote a book about this and and this is mm. also being made into a Hollywood movie because of the redemption story. Because coming from this place of, of being brought up in a Catholic home, having the faith of my parents, but never actually internalizing it. But mm. the seeds were sown. And for many years, my parents prayed and my parents cried um, for my conversion. But little did they know that it was the seeds they had previously sown that was mm. going to be the, the means of, of, of my conversion. In my darkest moment, I was an addict. Uh, I was at, at the end of myself. And it was the memory of my parents praying that caused me to pray again. And that's after a while is where I started to have my encounter moments. They were little by little having these moments where I started to experience the, the peace of God and I wanted more as an addict. You know, this is what you want. You want the next high, you want the next high. And, yes. and I was getting that True. from the presence of God, you know, that it's not the high, but that mm. sense of peace that I was longing for. And so mm. I became, in a sense, addicted to wanting to return to the Lord for that sense of peace. Mm. Now, of course, I needed the community. I needed to purify that. I needed to sanctify that. But one day I had this incredible encounter with Jesus where I felt the love of God so intensely that mm. I felt my heart was going to explode. I just couldn't take it. I, in fact, my prayer was, God, please stop because my heart is going to explode. Uh, and as uh, I experienced this, and this was for hours and hours and hours. And I remember getting up from that, from the floor with like the puddles of water with tears. And my first thought, my only thought was, God, I need to tell the world. I have to tell the world about mm -hmm. what I, what, what you have done in my life. And that hasn't stopped. You see the, the, the sense of God's presence, the, the, the closeness that, that love of my heart exploding, that, that that's come and goes, you know, I don't, I don't feel yes, close to God a lot of the times, <laughs> but the passion to tell the world has never faded, has never stopped. And, and this is why I do what I do. People know me as a, as a singer, but I, I really dislike that because I'm not a singer. I use music. I use music to, to evangelize. I use whatever I have to evangelize. I'm an evangelist. I love Jesus. And I just want to tell the world uh, about him. It's as simple as that. Mm, that's so beautiful. That book you were talking about is called Breakthrough. And if you go to uh, fatherrobgalea.com, you'll be able to find not only his books there, but his music there, but also his ministry. And, one of the things that um, I really appreciate your story, it just reminds me of so many things. Um, you know, first thing that came to mind is the woman at the well. It's like, good luck getting her to stop telling people about Jesus. Like, it's like, and not everybody. I remember doing the fivefold ministry of, you know, from Ephesians chapter four, Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. And that evangelist thing, boy, I, I have that too. And I didn't know why. I, I, I couldn't make sense of it for the longest time because although I wanted to tell everybody, I was terrible at it and, and I could only play three chords and I can't sing to save my life. So I couldn't use music until it, it, it took a while for that to mature and grow because I didn't see a lot of space for evangelization in our Catholic faith. You know, we were asked to go to church and go to Sunday school and we we're told to tell people kind of, but we all know nobody does. And, and so it was just this 
this this feeling of disappointing God all the time. I knew I was disappointing God because I wasn't doing what I felt called to do, but I didn't have the language for it. I didn't understand it. And I just wonder how many other people, like how did you come to that place of, I guess maybe you had more bravery than I did, you know, as that young man, when you, when you had that experience, because I too had a very similar experience in a puddle of tears, knowing full well, God, God just absolutely, like he was so real. It's like, Oh my gosh, nothing will ever be the same again. Like that I had plenty of years of maturing and growing up and making a ton of terrible mistakes and trying to become a man with terrible role models and terrible decisions. And I take full responsibility for all that. It took a while for me to step into the man that God was calling me to be. But that evangelist piece took years before I brought a single person to faith. I was probably... I would have been about 29 years old and I've been, I'd probably been wanting to bring people to faith for oh, 15 years and being useless. How did you grow into that? Well, I, I started with ignorance. I remember having this <laughs> encounter with Jesus and just going to school and telling people, hey, Jesus spoke to me last night. I had this amazing experience with God. <laughs> God loves you too. I just want to tell you that God loves you. And everyone thought I was crazy. He thought I was nuts. In fact, they called me the Jesus freak, you know, and they stayed away from me. And <laughs> But I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. And so, but eventually you start, I started to refine the art of communication, of evangelization. Yeah. And I started to work on my art. And so I started playing music. I started saying, look, I'm, I'm a musician, so I can, let me see what people are doing to use music to evangelize. And so I started to write Christian songs. And then I would see uh, people on TV preaching and I would literally watch them preach and then copy them. Like I'd walk the way, the same way they walked, talk the same way they talked. I literally imitated, parroted what they were doing. But then I also used to dream. I used to think, okay, how could I do this? But then I discovered the most important thing is not, not to, to perform, but to use what you have and direct it towards Jesus. For example, mm. the platforms that we have, what platform? That's the question I would ask. What platform do you have? Maybe you have a business. Mm. Maybe you're a, you're a, you have social media. Maybe you're a musician. Maybe you're good at, at, at conversation, whatever it is. Now, I'm an introvert. The least thing I could do is what the woman at the well did, run down into the village and shout it out to the village. I would be, that would take everything out of me and I wouldn't be good at it. But I noticed I was good at playing music and talking in little conversations. So I'd play music and tell a story. I was good mm. at social media, communicating, creating artistic videos. And so I created about mm. 300 video logs like um, while I was traveling. I was good at, uh, at sitting down and talking. I was good. And then I b built my art of preaching. Now that's me. But each one of us are different. Mm. Is what are your gifts? What is your platform? And how can you direct it towards God? Now, not radically. Yes, I'm a priest. Yes, run, you, you go around and you evangelize. But sometimes it's a little conversation. Sometimes it's the courage to step out in praying for someone, in, in get, getting them a Christmas gift when you know that no one else is... Is, is is looking out for them this Christmas. It's it's about praying for, for someone who's who's who just lost their mother, but you're the one who calls them while everyone is feeling awkward and just saying, hey, at the end of the conversation, I know this is painful. Do you mind if I just say a quick prayer? It doesn't have to be an artistic prayer. It can be a Hail Mary. It could be mm. whatever. But just let people <laughs> know that you're praying for them. Just think of how, how you can just bring Jesus into your current platform. Mm. That's really encouraging. And I, I know people listening right now are going to really, because that's very practical what you just shared right now. When you, you said a couple of times, Father Rob, you know, I worked on my art and I can't help but think about St. Paul. He wasn't particularly effective in the beginning. You know, but he got better at it. He was trained by the apostle. He was raised up, you know, and, 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 um, and so, I wonder what your thoughts are on this, because I see two things as you say that. One, I see a very self-motivated man. I see a man who's been filled with the Holy Spirit, 
and who answered the call to grow. And I love how you 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 watch videos and you parroted it and you're like I just that's just I just want to go, yeah, that's so cool. Like good for you. Like way <laughs> to go. And 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 I think, you know, wouldn't it be great? And and one of the things I try to create in the work that I do with renewal of parishes and diocese, but particularly parishes, like parishes should be schools of transformation. You know, in some dioceses, I hear, oh, you know, we're going to have this, we're going to have this school for lay people so they can go. And, and, and it's like every parish should be that, shouldn't it? Like in my mind, what's the good of a parish if it's not there to make people great? Like I don't get why church is useful beyond making people great. Like Jesus came to make us great. And so as churches, we have an opportunity to give people platforms, young people, uh, as well as older people, uh, but places where they can begin to speak about their faith, practice their craft, discern their giftedness. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. As a parish, of course, that doesn't reach out becomes stagnant. A parish that doesn't utilize the, the, the giftings of its, of its parishioners is selling the people short, but also blocking the intention of God for the, for the, for the growth of that parish, for the growth of the kingdom of God. We have a responsibility yeah. to utilize the gifts that God has put in in our path, but also responsibility to do that respectfully, lovingly. And for example, I have a friend of mine, she's a, a, an amazing singer. And every time she goes to a parish, the parish priest calls her out and asks her to sing. And to the point where now she's thinking, I can never go there to pray. So I have to find another <laughs> parish. So it's about also utilizing gifts, but yes. doing so in conversation, not pulling the gifts out of people. Because here's, here's the, the, the danger that we use the gifts of the talented and we don't use the gifts of those who are not seemingly talented you know and we can, and then mm. we exhaust those who say yes we exhaust we Amen. burn out those who who are talented and then they walk away and so i think it's about that conversation which you you're the expert in this and how you can craft it but i'd say one thing that we have to as, as a church, as a, a Catholic church, the way I think of the way we are, and this applies to a parish, is that we are a big ship. We're a big ship heading towards the kingdom of God. Okay, and this big ship cannot turn quickly, cannot cater to the needs of everybody. People have to fit onto the ship. But every now and then, if you look out of the ship, when on a calm day, you see a lot of jet skis and speedboats going around. And, and sometimes this, this is what the role of the parish is to get people onto those jet skis, to get people onto those speedboats, to go out and reach to those who are swimming, those who are in the water, those who are isolated, because the ship sometimes cannot stop. It cannot um, yeah. turn around, but the jet skis can, as long as they return to the ship again. Now, and this is the way I see a lot of these ecclesial communities. They stay on the jet ski. They stay on the boat and they run out of fuel. They run out of steam and they're heading towards right. the kingdom of God. But there's no guarantee that they're going to get there while the ship is guaranteed to get there. So what are we doing? It's like, I think when it comes to understanding the talents, this is where I see the the value of small groups, the value of like the, you have the Legion of Mary, you have Catholic Charismatic Renewal, you have all of these groups that find and understand their disciples, their gifting. And th then the parish has to give the permission to these groups to make it uncomfortable. And here's the problem, parishes are comfortable because they don't want to upset the people in the first four rows. And, and, and we're losing souls because of that. And so yeah. we have to get the parish uncomfortable enough to grow, but comfortable enough to keep praying. It's that tension. And that is the, 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 the tension of the, the, the pastor, the parish priest. How am I gonna get my parish uncomfortable enough to be able to grow? Because without discomfort, there's no growth. And, but mm -hmm. comfortable enough to keep pursuing the Lord and not getting distracted by the discomfort. So this is attention wow, and, and it's yeah. so subjective to every parish, you see, and this is again, divine renovation working through and with individual parishes to understand their scenario. And it's not a one size fits all, of course. Mm. I remember, um, I remember at one point in our evolution, you know, father used to travel a lot, which is wonderful. Like he had a, 
you know, his gift, his platform, his speaking, he's just a brilliant theologian and speaker. He's a visionary dis theological disruptor. Like he just really, he captures the attention of clergy in ways that it breaks their hearts for what breaks the Lord. So he's just, I, I, I never grow tired of listening to him. And yet from a leadership perspective, there was a season there where, you know, he'd come back from a trip. He'd talk to somebody really interesting and brilliant, and they'd either written a book or have an idea, and he would inflict it on us. And and so they were just random thoughts and ideas that would come back, and all of a sudden it needed to be actioned, you know. Um, and I remember one day just saying, you know, you're going to need a group of people around you to help you make decisions. And it's not the global community because they're not engaged in this church. You, uh, you need people here on the ground who can help you discern where we're at and where we're going and what next looks like. Because if you don't do that, you're going to drive people bonkers. Uh, and so, and, and eventually he got there. Um, but that's the problem with leading a church as a like <laughs> i heard the expression uh, a benign dictator you know as you're you know you're the the chief cook and bottle washer you're you're the, the only grace flows through a, a clergy person and i'm thinking that's <laughs> that's so flawed it's not funny because mm. it's obviously not true and and then your capacity to lead is significantly stunted and it's not because clergy aren't brilliant or don't care or, but it's because you're, we're all incomplete. Like we're all incomplete and we all, we we're far more wiser, more wise when, when we're working together, discerning together. And that's why working at a teams for priests and bishops is so important because if not, you know, there's this kind of facade of, I should know everything. And, and I, I want, I don't want to look weak or, or uncertain. So I will try to pretend I know everything. It's like, that's, it doesn't work. And, and so this whole idea of learning to work out of a team and just group discernment uh, and then making decisions together is, is 100% of the times better than doing it alone. Absolutely. And, and I think as, as clergy, as a priest, and I speak for, for the priesthood, you know, is that we are not trained in many things. We are, we were, the priest as a pastor, the priest as um, as a spiritual leader, it was imposed on us that we are to, supposed to be these artistic preachers. But here's the reality. We're very rarely trained on how to preach, for example. And I'd say mm -hmm. at least 50% of priests are terrible at it. But we were pushed onto this platform to preach. Yes, we are to be the teachers. Yes, yes we are to be. But somehow, all of a sudden, th this... Um, this expectation of art from from us but it also comes to to leadership it's it's crazy to think that that we are the ones who are supposed to lead to make all the decisions but in the seminaries we're not trained on co-leadership we 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 are funnily enough trained to make decisions on our own to seek the lord on our own and to move forward on our own there isn't, at least in my, I worked in two seminaries, one in Europe, one in Australia. Never once did we get discussions about how to listen to people, on how to discern with others. It's about discerning mm. with God and then moving forward. And it's we get disillusioned that we are the anointed ones, but we are the anointed ones in pastoring, but not necessarily in leading. And I don't know if it makes much of a, a difference, but there's a huge distinction between leadership and pastoring. Yes, we're to love our sheep, to take, to, to lead people to away from sin and to repent and to bring them to the sacrament and to the word of God. But is it our responsibility and soul responsibility and soul anointing to draw people into community, to draw people into their purpose? There are so many more people within our communities who are much more gifted in that than we are. Mm. And sometimes it's so convenient for us to do it because they're not around. They can only come to one meeting a month. And so we end up making the decisions sometimes even out of a lack mm. of patience, a lack of, of, of yes. ability to wait. Yeah. 
It's interesting, you know, because uh, and, and, uh, it's neat that you say it because I believe that. And I have to wrestle with that with a lot of priests when we start working together because they're often their impressions. Well, I don't have anybody. Like, well, you know, inviting people to build a leadership team and meet for at least two hours a week, every single week with that team. And then individually, it's like, yeah, but lay people don't have the time. Really? I think to myself, follow me. I'm going to go down to the local ice hockey rink and we're going to talk to all the coaches there and ask them how much time they spend on putting together coaching plans. How? Sorry about that. <laughs> how much time? There's a little thumbs up if you're listening online. I got to deactivate that on my on my Apple software. Um you know, how much time they spend uh, going to tournaments, how much money, their own money they spend all stuff. It, they spend thousands of dollars and tens of hours a week, every single week. And they love it. <laughs> so they think their own time, their own money, they take their own vacation time. And then we think for God, for the kingdom of God, building a church, like, yeah, but people don't have time. They're really busy. no. Your vision stinks and therefore mm. it's not compelling and therefore anybody can do it. So people of capacity are not going to engage in such a terrible vision because it's like we're not even it's like we're not even going to try to win. Like the thing is with sports, people know what a championship looks like. And so they start the season and they say, we're going to do everything we can to make your kids great athletes so that we can win a championship. And it's like, well, that sounds fun. But, but what's the purpose of church? Well, you should go to church because good people go to church. It's like, oh, uh, okay. Like, like, where's the, where's the adventure in it? Where's the winning in it? And I think to myself when Moses was, was losing to the Amorites, you know, and then he had to lift up his arms and they were winning, but then he got tired and his arms fell down. They were losing. He knew the difference between winning and losing. And that wasn't a 20 year estimate. It was instantaneously. He knew the difference between winning and losing and what he had to do to help them win. And so often in parish life, I just think we're just practicing all the time. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to practice faith. I want to play faith. Like I, yes. I want to win souls. I want to do something that's worthwhile. I want to change a community. I want to raise up leaders. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yes. Give me something worth investing in, not just go to church. Yes. And I think this is, again, one of the first things that we look at is, is engagement, how to make things more engaging, how to make things more exciting. Well, that is a, a very myopic, a very small vision. Like you're saying, the great vision is, is bringing souls to heaven. It's, it's about building leadership. It's about building excitement amongst your leadership. And that will be transferred. Stop trying again. And I, I work in this ministry, you know, like I'm a musician and I'm an, I'm on TV and I'm on radio and I'm on stage and I'm talking. So I know the entertainment value. I know the engagement value. But I know that also this is not going to retain anyone. It might entertain a lot of people, it might inspire a lot of people. But if you want people to come and you want people to stay and you want people to grow, you have to have this sense of understanding your people so that you can instill a sense of purpose in them and allow them just let go, stop, shut up and let your people carry this burden with you and carry this vision with you. Because you see, the, the secret for growth is anointing and you are a fool. I am a fool to think that the anointing begins and ends with me. The anointing is with the people around me and my anointing is to find these people and allow the greater anointing to rise. And so sometimes we just need to stop and find ways in which rather than to, to implement, but ways in which to, to let go and hand over again to delegate, again, to not be stuck by my own vision, but let go of my vision, even though I think, and even sometimes I know it is better, but I also, yeah. my vision, which I know is better, cannot be carried. I don't have the capacity, yes. I don't have the time, but a vision that other people have that might differ to mine and might seem worse than mine can be carried and can bear fruit. 
So again, it's about letting go. And I say, look, I don't work in a, a parish much, okay? So I, uh, I'm probably not that credible in talk, but I run a ministry. I run a ministry which has- I was gonna say, has, how is that manifested in ministry? Because if it was just you, you'd probably be exhausted and you probably oh my, would only have one gig a year. <laughs> oh my God, this is how my ministry started with just me, you know, with touring around the world doing this, but then I needed a secretary and, but someone who also understands the vision. Now I have, I have yes. 13 staff members that run this ministry and um, which reaches almost 4 million people on, on a great year, like a World Youth Day year or whatever, but generally between 400,000 on a life capacity to 1 million on a life capacity. And we reach up to 4 million people through our, through our content. Now, there's 90% of what I'm doing, 100% of what I'm doing now didn't exist three years ago. None of it, mm. but 90% wow. <clears throat> wouldn't exist if I did it alone. And it's not, it's not simply the implementation, it's the ideas, it's the courage to step forward and the, 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 the strength to persevere in a dream. A lot of dreams, good dreams, God dreams fade because we don't, we, we've set up like in the scripture and now it, we're preparing for an army, we're preparing for a war, but we don't have the resources to do it. So we're defeated at yes. war. So it's about understanding, hey, I'm going to go to war. I have this dream, which is, but I need the power to do it and I cannot do it alone. And the people mm. I have brought in, I've had to train somewhere useless. Yes. We're tired, <laughs> we're distracted, costs more money than through all the mistakes, but you're patient and you love, you see a vision in them. And now I don't know what I'd do without them. You know, I'm just so grateful for them. So it's just be patient, work slow. And this is how our ministry has grown. And it's only growing more and more to the point where I'm almost insignificant now, you know? <laughs> Like, so this is... Good job you play the guitar, they'd replace yeah. you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the role of a good leader is to make themselves redundant. That's Amen. the role of a good leader. And this is what I want to do. You think, God, if I make myself redundant, I'm going to be jobless? No, I'll find something right. else. Not a I'll chance. I'll create yeah. something else. And it might be smaller. It doesn't matter. But make yourself redundant. Build leaders to, to mm. champion the, the, the dream that God has instilled in your heart and in, in the heart of your, the leaders around you. Oh, amen. You know, I love your vision. And I'm just going to go back a ways here because I, I didn't want to lose that. But your vision of the church being a ship, I've never heard that before. And all the jet skis and motorboats. And it's like, what an exciting, fun vision. I live in Atlantic Canada, right on the ocean. And so uh, that, that, that analogy works really well for us. But um, I think it's so fun and so exciting and makes so much sense. And, and even in the, what we talked about, beyond that, which was the whole idea of the priesthood and, and engaging more. It's like, we need healthy ships. You know, we need well-functioning, healthy ships. So as those people are coming back, they're being cheered on, they're being encouraged. They're, you know, and, and just, again, so much of what you're saying is so helpful and so fun. Uh, and I think it's going to be, <laughs> the people yes. listening, I think are going to be as happy as I am right now as I listen to you. One of the things, Father Rob, that I'm curious about, because you do get a chance to speak in different parts of the world through your ministry. And, and, and I know for myself, um, I think it was, while we were in Chicago, somebody said, oh, did, you know, Father Rob was on X Factor Australia. That, that must have been a, a great experience just because it's so accessible. It's such a high profile show in America. I'm sure it's high profile in Australia as well. So people can Google it and it's like, hey, that's actually really cool. And so then people can connect with you, even though they haven't met you personally yet. Uh, how was that? Did you was that was that a bit of a did that put a boost in what you were doing? Tell me a bit about that. Well, I, I think the way these things happen to me, again, it comes from a passion to want to serve, to love. And the least thing yeah. I want to do, again, is to be labeled or known or seen as a pop star priest. And it's not what I want to do. I'm an introvert. I don't like crowds. I don't like being around gotcha. people. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't, and I honestly, I don't like this the This is attention. the right distance here, is that what you're saying? <laughs> but no, I love people, but I don't being, a, you know, I get exhausted very quickly. So this is the least thing, but when it comes to uh, 
um, the growth of the ministry. I think it happened through a number of things. I was a seminarian and mm. um, I had released an album and I get a call from the Vatican to sing for, for Pope Benedict at, at World Youth Day. So that was the first step that got me. I sung, I've uh. sung for the Pope three times, but um, the, so I've got, I've got the opportunity and that was my biggest platform that that all of a sudden I mm. get invitations around the world to sing to speak people start to google to see what I was doing I put had some content on social media and so some gotcha. of it started to go mm -hmm. viral after this but and then it also um, I got onto the radar of the Australian press and I get calls now even mm. today every year I get calls from the voice from the x factor from from the masked mm. singer from all of these places and really, their their only interest is that it's good publicity to have a Catholic priest singing on a on a show. And I said yes, no year yeah. after year. I kept saying no. And then one day, um, the producers flew over to to my town and they said, "Listen, we just want to have a fifteen minute conversation. We've flown over. We just want to talk to you for fifteen minutes." And so I had a conversation, and they said, "Look, just audition. Don't do anything. Just audition, and and you you can leave after that." And I still was thinking, no, this is not what I want to do. I don't want to be. Um, but mm. at the end of the day, I thought, look, if the Lord is leading me here, making me uncomfortable, then I'm going to give this a go. Mm. So I go and I audition and I get, I don't know, if you know how the X Factor wins, but you get votes from the judges. And there were four judges and they all said yes. And I didn't think this through. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, they've all said yes. Now, what am I going to do? And so I had to go to the next stage, the next stage, the next stage. But halfway through, there was this deep conviction in my heart. And I would pray every day. Mm. I would sit with the Lord every day. I, I, I pray and sit with the Lord. And I started mm. to realize um, that this, this is not my place. This is not my place. And mm. I'm thinking, God, after you brought me here, why are you telling me this now? Mm. Why are you telling yeah. me this now? Because I went out of obedience. I went out of like, I, I, I wanted to see your will. But, and so I had to make a big decision halfway through the show, stand in front of the judges, say, hey guys, thank you so much for this opportunity, but I'm going to leave the show. Now, I did. And was the hardest decision I ever had to make. And and, mm. and a lot of the judges and, and the producers were furious at me. And But at the end of the day, I walked away at peace. And, and knowing mm. that, uh, that I was doing this out of the intention of obeying the Lord. And But mm. then things started to grow on, on the Australian press. But I think... Um, it was, and then I started preaching in America and throughout the, um, Canada. And now most of my work is in Asia, India, and where I reach out to the poor, I reach out to leaders, um, and I work on on formation of leaders. Now I, I speak at schools. I speak at about um, I speak to about two hundred thousand students at schools every year. This is my gifting by the grace of God, and this is what I will continue to do. I have a passion to reach out to young teens. The more rebellious, the better. The more disengaged, the better. And so, and so this is what I do. I'm an evangelist, but also I'm trying to train the next generation, especially teachers educators on how to engage with young people and how to to give Jesus in a relevant way. And this is not mm. only what we're doing and that maybe we can talk about this this time or next time, but uh, developing also um, platforms of evangelization. Now we're developing a, a game which teaches the entire charisma and the entire, entire Catholic Church on a platform called Roblox, which is the biggest gaming platform in the world, 70 million users a day, a day. And there's nothing <laughs> credible talking to these young people about Jesus on this platform. So we're going for it really hard um, oh, to try and tell, tell oh, them Rob, about Jesus. Awesome. <laughs> I love your sense of innovation. Like, I love that there's no frontier that's off the limits for you. But I also thank you for telling me the rest of that story because I didn't know that. Like I had heard, because I I watched the the, that X factor clip a few times. And I know that all four of them said yes. And I would have too. Uh, and I, and I understood you, that you didn't continue, but I didn't realize that you went that far and has, uh, I can imagine that was hard, but thank you too, for sharing that because that would have been hard. Like the discernment on that would have been tough. And I think sometimes we do get ourselves in situations with good intent that only to find out partway through that, Oh, wait a minute. You know what? This, 
the more I go down this road, the less I feel like I'm doing it for the right reasons or that, that it's the right outcome. And, and then it takes a ton of courage to get off the bus at that point. And so, yeah, so good on you, mate. Like, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that's so beautiful. What, what are you seeing in, in terms of, cause you're with a lot of young people. I love that you have that. My son, Christian has, he's a guitar player and a singer and he loves young people. And I get in front of young people and speak sometimes. I think, Oh gosh, they're just not listening. And <laughs> you so respond. And I'm just, I don't have the gifting and the cares of the you and my son have. I just, so I just think it's wonderful that you guys do. I'll still do it. I just don't feel like I do a very good job, but they're beautiful people. And I was that guy would have responded to you and Christian. So, well because you guys are the type of guys that i remember a band came one time in junior high and i got to help set up the speakers you'll be a little roadie and i felt that was so cool and then listen to them and and it was i was and they're all they're christian and singing about jesus and i was so inspired by them i just wanted to be just like them someday you know and 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 so thank you for reaching out to like uh mini me's uh, from all those years ago that are just really seeking for role models that are are doing something significant what are you seeing in these different countries as it relates to faith um yeah like g- just give me so give us some insights of what god is showing you mm-hmm. through your time on the road well i spend a lot of time traveling with my team and as I said, we do a lot of work in, in Asia, in, in Europe and in, in, the, in the Americas as well. And mm-hmm. first of all, I'd say there's one thing um, and, and another response. One is that there is an extreme thirst for God, an extreme isolation from purpose and an extreme um, lack of vision amongst the grassroots where we are instilled, where we, from Asia to India to the United States, we're, we're fed a vision and we go with it without even, and losing our peace in the process. And then on the other hand, you have a church that seems to be helpless, seems to be paralyzed and not know how to respond, not know how to reach out to a world. I've just come back from from Southeast Asia speaking to a hundred bishops and my talks, I gave three talks and my talks were all about engaging young people in an AI, artificial intelligence generation, how we're going to um, reach out in a a woke generation and how we're going to engage, literally how we're going to engage with young people in a practical level. And they were like if, if I told you that they're using methods that they've been using for the last hundred years, which ultimately comes down to you come to our church or we will abandon you. And it, and it just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because there's so much with so little effort that we can do to impact people who are on the edge. I have a passion for people that are on the cliff edges that are being lost. Now we need to, like, of course, your famous um, words, there's a mission and maintenance, you know, there's, we need to to be people of maintenance. And I, I must admit, I'm not one of those gifted people who can work with, with maintenance. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, we can't forget missions. So I think ultimately it comes down to the uh, lost people, but we feel disabled, disabled because we don't have the skill set. And like they're just, for example, how many of our dioceses invest in a social media manager? Our young people are on social media. Why are we telling social media and for a church perspective, a parish perspective is not a news outlet. Shouldn't be a news or an information outlet. It's a means to evangelize, to teach, to, to disciple. And we just feel, feel lost. And two, the church feels, and especially I can say this amongst bishop and clergy, we have lost our credibility with young people because we feel mm. dirty around young people. We feel judged around young people, where even in certain countries, I'm walking through the streets, even in Australia and Melbourne, I get spat at if I'm wearing my clerical shirt because they associate priests with abuse. 
and and so how do we deal mm. bishops and priests uh, even in places where there are minority a catholic minority where they could be shot on the streets for wearing the, uh, a clerical shirt how mm. do we gain credibility how do we reach out and it's a very subjective question it depends on where where you're at but again a thirsty people and then a church that has the water but doesn't know how to deliver it and what are we doing mm. about it each uh, and it just comes to and again this is what you are doing it's teaching people how to serve the water which we already have because we have jesus amen amen boy you know I, I, you know, I'm going to talk straight to the listeners right now. Is your mind exploding as much as mine? Like as I talk to you, Father Rob, uh, there's all kinds of synapses just firing off about connections and, and ways that we can support each other and, 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 and new roads that we can pioneer down based on what you're sharing. Because you really, you're a pioneer. You, you have a real uh, fearlessness to reach out but and you know what's so fun about it is some people would associate the type of work you do with being an extrovert and you're saying no i'm not like i find that exhausting i find it uncomfortable and 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 so we can come to these assumptions sometimes that well i'm not like this so therefore i can't do that and you're you know a perfect example of somebody that's like no if god's calling you to do something then do it yeah but it's, <laughs> like don't it's, make excuses find a way yes and it's funny, like last night, you know, I was a bit stressed. Uh, I had a, like a little bit of a, um, an episode, things ha happened. And even as, a, as an introvert, you know what I did? I go to YouTube and I look for, and I, I'm in my four, early 40s, you know, and I look for, I'm thinking, okay, when I retire, I'm going to go to a small village. <laughs> I start to dream about my, my quiet retirement. And I start on YouTube looking for places, the quietest places where people can retire. <laughs> then I start to think, goodness, why am I selling myself short here? But I really am. I really want quiet. I really want stillness. But yet I... Yeah. I have this restlessness as well. You know, I can't keep quiet. Yeah. And oh, yeah, I just, I don't so know. Beautiful. And sometimes I think, God, are you done with me yet? And then other times I have this like, God, yeah. please don't be done with me yet. It's normal, isn't it? To, to have that tension inside of us. You know, it's it, and sometimes people think, well, either I have it or I don't. It's like, no, we have it and we don't all at the same time yes. as we journey with God, right? That's right. It's a it's a wrestle, you know. Like uh, Jacob, um, not Jacob. Uh, I don't know the guy who wrestled with <laughs> with Abraham, the angel. Yeah, yeah, Abraham, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just that, that's how it is. You 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 get in the ring and the the with God and you're wrestling with God and then the the mm. the aim is to stay in the ring. And this is where the having your good reader, leaders around you and good supporters that every time you want yes. to jump out of the ring, like last night was one of the moments. And I, I and then I have people around me that say, hey, Father Rob, get back into the ring, get back into the ring. And yeah. you're not fighting an enemy, you're literally wrestling God. <laughs> you know, it's like you're wrestling your biggest supporter. But this is the way I, I believe. Yeah, we do wrestle God. We wrestle the will of God. We wrestle to surrender to God. We wrestle to stay uncomfortable yeah. with God. Mm. Yeah, it's a battle. <laughs> oh, but a beautiful it is a one. battle, and it's and it's one worth fighting. You know, Father Rob, it's great being in this battle with you. Thank you for all that you do, and and you really inspired me today in so many ways. I, I appreciate your honesty, your vulnerability, um, and keep on keeping on. Thank you to your team. I just want to give a shout out to your team who's come around you and loved you, sharing your vision, believes in you, is willing to step into probably all kinds of different scenarios to to forge a way to succeed. And, and, and probably I'm guessing do you have supporters, financial supporters that get behind what you do and stuff like that. Does that happen yeah. as well? So yeah, yeah so thank we you depend to all them and, yeah. entirely, entirely on donations. Um, and, and that's how yeah. we, so we're, we're a 501 C3 in, in the U S as well. So yeah, it's mm. called, yeah. The, uh, just if people want to know the website at the Please, moment, it's mfrgministry.com. Yeah. And uh, if they want to support the ministry, there's a donate button and that goes entirely yeah. to our mission, to what we're doing. So we're trying to, to figure out what the Lord wants and then just going. But again, it's a, it's a non-for-profit. None mm -hmm. of us make any profit and um, and goes entirely to, to, to winning souls. And that's what we, we thirst and long long to do. 
Yeah. So thank you to all of your supporters. And, and I can't think of a better cause than to reach young people. Apparently they say that the average age people decide never to go back to the church right now in America anyways, like 13. And so yeah. we need to be reaching young people and, and, and it's not easy. Uh, I don't yeah. think most churches don't do a particularly good job. It's really up to parents. And, and some of the things you shared earlier, uh, I think it's a real encouragement to parents because, you know, sometimes we feel like we're doing everything we're supposed to do, everything we know how to do, and we don't, don't feel like it's making a difference. And I know my mom was in the same boat your parents were when I was 16, just feeling like she was losing me to all kinds of things that were no good for me and that were going to take me down a road of pain and agony and destruction. And and it was through her prayers and, and her constant love that got me to a retreat that changed my life. and and um, and oddly enough, that same retreat is where I met Father James. We were sitting at the same small group table, <laughs> and uh, and that's where we forged our friendship. And 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 God's just blessed that. And so, again, just knowing knowing people like you, um, and and um, knowing that we're in this together, and that yeah. God is our Father. He loves us so much, and He's cheering us on. And he loves a good wrestling match. And so, yes. if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you just need a good fight. Well, you got a you got a wonderful wrestling partner in God, and don't think you can approach them. No matter what you've done in your past, there's it's like it's okay. Like take it to them. If you're angry, fight with them. Yell at them. Like if you're sad, cry with them. Like wherever you're at emotionally, whatever you're feeling, however lost you are, I'm telling you what, you just need to turn around and have it out with them. And he's going to be right there for you because he loves you so much. And um yeah, so thanks for what you're doing to reach all those young people, brother. It's yeah. so important. Yeah, thank you. And I ask, look, and I say this uh, also, in all of the work and whether you're feeling overwhelmed and how to evangelize and you're thinking that's fair enough, but I still am confused, start with prayer. Prayer isn't everything, but it's the first thing. It's the first thing. So whatever you do, start with prayer. Seek the Lord, surrender to the Lord, come back to prayer and speak to the Lord about your desire to, to reach out. But also, and then after you've prayed again, obey obey a lot of us miss out on god god's dreams and god's god's vision for the church because we don't obey we 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 try to make sure it is and um, the fear goes away we make sure that everything's in order until we step out but pray and obey and god will show you if you do that with a sincere heart amen head over to f RG ministry. Father Rob, uh, they have courses as well. There's podcasts yes. there. Um, you can become a partner as we talked about earlier. Uh, the book is there. I'd really encourage you to dive into to this ministry and uh, and just see what God is, uh, how he wants to speak to you through it. God bless you, Father Rob. It's God a wonderful you. spending time with you. Thank you and God bless you all. Thank you to all of you listeners that have tuned in again this week. We love journeying with you. Isn't this stuff fun? Like it's so fun as we just meet with different people whose hearts are on fire for Christ. Doesn't it just illuminate and, and set our hearts on fire? So thank you for tending to your faith. Thank you for being obedient to God's call in your life. And thank you for everything you do for the local parish and your, and your local priest to come alongside of him to help your ship that is your parish be unbelievable launching jet skis and motorboats and you know water skiers whatever it is like we're in this together let's do it well because what we do makes a difference god bless you all and we'll see you next time i want to encourage you as you lead this week be faithful to god and generous to others see you next time and remember if you're still breathing you are powered for impact.